Welcome one, welcome all. This is the Discovering Masculinity podcast. I am your host, John Waltz, coming to you today from beautiful Franklin, Tennessee, uh, sunny Franklin, Tennessee. It's actually about uh, seasonably warm like it's supposed to be. Uh, here right around Thanksgiving at the time of this recording, um, just south of the Music City. And uh, joining me from uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, this man is uh, hes a husband, father, fitness professional, and gym owner, uh, and a man of God. He is uh, uh, has got some really great content uh, in in this space, so I wanted to have him on and uh, and talk with him a little bit about some of these uh, issues that are facing men in the, uh, the 21st century. He is Mr. Mike Pantile. Mike, thank you so much for uh joining me on the podcast today it is uh it is an honor and a uh, pleasure to have you dude the pleasure's all mine man john thank you for having me on brother i really appreciate it yeah awesome awesome yeah it's really really excited to uh to get talking with you here today so first question um i know you had uh, talked a little bit about you've listened to a few of my other shows so uh you kind of know know what i'm going to ask here first but it's the uh, same question that i ask uh, pretty much everybody. And uh, I like to dive in with both bo- both feet. So uh, to you, Mike, what does it mean to be a man in uh, the 21st century in the Western world? Well, I mean, I think to answer that question, we have to go and really answer the question of like, what what was the origin, origin story of masculinity? Because I think um, what the modern definition of that is, is so far removed from um, what it's supposed to be. And I think they couldn't be more opposite. So I think in the modern um, terms of the definition of that word, I think is the guy that dates multiple women that, you know, emphasizes his physique that, you know, maybe covers himself in tattoos to kind of wear this sort of like warrior outside persona um, is all about the sort of the accumulation of material wealth and fast cars and planes and, you know, recognition and power, which I think are all kind of like the, you know, little boy, um, aspirations of, of masculinity. So I think that's what it means in like the 21st century. Um, but for men like myself, and obviously a lot of the men that you've had on this, this podcast, I really think what it means to be a man, a traditional man is first of all, you're a man that fears God and you have the love of Christ in your heart. And also, you know, you're meek by the biblical definition of that word. And so I think there's not a lot of people that this is Jordan Peterson. This is not me pretending I'm a scholar, but, um, or a theologian, but um, Jordan Peterson, uh, I heard this a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and it was the meek shall inherit the earth. Like everybody has this sort of like idea of what that passage means in the Bible. And usually it's, it's negative. It's like somebody that's, you know, lowly and downtrodden, but really by the biblical definition of that word, when Jesus lived, it means those that have swords and know how to use them, but keep them sheathed will inherit the world. So I think that's, you know, part of the modern definition is you have great power, but you choose to be the servant. So you're the savage and the servant all at once, but you choose to be of service to your fellow man. You know, you lead your fellow man, you have a tremendous amount of humility and wisdom, and you're a protector of objective truth. And so you know, I think those are that speaks to more of the character of what a man is, which is, I think, more aspirational than it is something that you actually get to. And so I think that's when it kind of collides with the modern uh, definition of what that is, which I think is a bit narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really like that uh, Jordan Peterson quip that you're talking about. I've, I've utilized that in, in some of my own my own thinking. And, and I think I even made a post about that on Instagram here a little while back, just about being, you know, and, and I think, the, yeah, the, the definition of, of meek that we always, we always think of is just like you said, someone who's not downtrodden or, or docile and, and I know in, or, or harmless. Um, and I think that that's really bled over into, uh, particularly the men's space on the, um, uh, in, in the traditional men's men's movement in, in churches, like your traditional men's ministry. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of times that, that I'll be, you know, I'll be introduced to, to men in the, in the church. It, it, it's just, there's just no, there's just nothing dangerous or ferocious about them. There's nothing that, that really like, 
there, there's there's no type of of power behind them that that I can for, foresee or or talk about, and that's I I think as as men we have to have have to have and tap into that masculine power and that masculine energy because it's um you know I I don't want some some of the men that I've met in church I don't want them trying to break in break into a burning building to try and pull me out or pull one of my loved ones out you know I I want someone who's got a little bit more of that that danger and that masculine energy to them and and um I think it, this kind of uh, tra- translates into a um a question that I usually ask a little bit later on but uh, you, you kind of got my my brain percolating here a little bit with uh, the, the the definition of being meek so um what's the difference between um uh, a good man and a nice guy or the modern day term i think for a nice guy would be uh would be simp i think is the <laughs> internet slang for a nice guy and when i when you said the the you know the, the our traditional definition of meek that's what i started to think of like what's the kind of the traditional nice guy so in your opinion um how, how do you delineate between someone who's who's a good man and someone who's uh, who's just a nice guy or 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 is you know has that has that uh more modern day definition of meek well, you know, if you would ask me this question like a year or two ago, um, I would say a good man is not a dangerous man. A good man is just like, you know, morally virtuous, but doesn't really, you know, it's, it's what Jack Donovan uh, sort of uh, postulates, which is really accurate, is that like a, a good man can't just be a good man. You have to be good at being a man as well. Right. So there's there is a difference there. But now that I've sort of stepped into my faith a bit more, I think a good man is just that he's a dangerous man. A good man is a dangerous man that fears God, but chooses not to use those dangerous qualities. That's my definition of that. So he's got all the moral virtue. He's got the physical and mental and spiritual capability to take care of himself and protect his family and his community. That's what a good man is. A good man's also dangerous. A good man's not just good because it's not enough to just be good. And I heard this from, it might've even been on your podcast with Ryan King. And he said something about, he goes, talking about men being bears and it's like a bear is so powerful. You feel its presence already when you're in the room with one. Right. Mm-hmm. So imagine if that bear just decides to just be good, how powerful that is. He chooses to be instead of the predator, he chooses to be the servant. And so this was obviously I'm paraphrasing. It wasn't exact, but that to me is what like the definition of good man is. Now what a nice guy is. I do believe honestly, nice guys, not only are the insecure and like sort of they're at the mercy of their skill set, which they don't usually have, a lot of, you know, maybe they had, they didn't have a father in the household. Maybe they had, you know, maybe they did have a father, but he was, you know, particularly weak father, not a good um, male role model. I also believe that they're manipulative because I believe that their motivations for being nice, just like male feminists are to placate to female behavior and to get their validation. So I think, you know, people try to hide behind this sort of guise of I'm a nice guy. I'm not like that toxic, hyper-masculine dude, but really you're just trying to make, um, your weakness of virtue. And there's nothing, there's nothing virtuous about that weakness. In fact, you know, people that are, uh, you know, women can suss this out, you know, women that's a fully actualized, like feminine female can say, okay, this guy's definitely being manipulative. He's agreeing with everything that I'm saying, you know, he's, it's chivalrous, but it comes across as slimy. That to me is sort of, you know, hope that answers your question, what a nice Mm -hmm. guy is, which is a good man. Yeah, I think there's a pretty like hard line between those two things, because I would say that probably most women do want that good man archetype and they Mm -hmm. definitely don't want that nice guy. There's probably like too many women out there that actually are either dealing with just like the total jerk guy or the total nice guy. And really, it's sort of like a actually, no, it's not a merge of both. It's actually a completely different human being altogether. It's not the jerk. It's not the nice guy. It's the good man. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's my answer to that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Chivalrous, but slimy. I like that. I'm going to have to write that down and remember that and see, and uh, maybe use it, <laughs> uh, use it in, in further, uh, further content. But, uh, um, and you know what, one of the things that, that, uh, that I think of when, when you'd mentioned that just kind of the dichotomy between the guy who's just over the top alpha and then the guy who's just kind of the, the smarmy nice guy, it's, it's, a uh, it's an interesting, they're, they're, um, they're coming from from similar places, but they're handling that that woundedness or that adversity just uh, differently. And so that sometimes it's, sometimes you'll get a man that's that's kind of an odd combination of both. The, you know, in, in certain instances, they'll they'll want to portray themselves as that over the top alpha, and then they'll also kind of placate to to the adversity that comes in into their life. And and I um, that's something from uh, Wild at Heart that uh, and John one uh, John Eldridge wrote that book. I think he he re- he worded 
worded that very uh, very well. Um, I can't remember. You know, I'm here. I am, I'm paraphrasing now, but uh, yeah. um, the, um, I, I want to ask you a little bit about um, in your in your line of work. I know you're you're a fitness professional, and so you probably have a lot of uh, experience with some of these over the top. Uh, alpha guys um what are some of the the things that just it is just kind of a, a dead giveaway like someone somebody walks into your into your fitness facility and and they and and you can just i would imagine you can just probably just kind of tell like okay this this guy is you know he's 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 a poser or or what whatnot what uh what, what kind of stands out to you about uh about a guy like that well, there's just an overwhelming sense, you know, and the only reason why I know this, just by the way, too, is that because I was one of these guys, I went from like, you know, because I was raised by like a single mom and my grandfather, uh, he was an immigrant. So there wasn't, you know, he showed me a lot of how to beat a man, but there was also a lot that I didn't know. Right. Um, and I had that sort of like father size void. But nevertheless, I went from like the, the nice guy to like the over the top alpha. So what I know from my experience being one of these guys and seeing these guys is there's just like this, this, this aura of just trying really hard to let everybody know, you know, how masculine or how cool or how capable that they are. Um, you can tell in the way that they dress and you can tell, especially in the way that they talk and specifically in the way that they talk about women. I think it's very glaring because a lot of these over the top alpha guys are also prescribed to this like red pill sort of ideology, which, you know, I'm sure you've heard a ton of, you know, oh, yeah. and I've heard yeah. you talk about it on your podcast as well. And so the dead giveaway is a sort of this demeanor that's like, always trying to sort of prove himself. Like we've been around men that are very, uh, they're masculine and they're, they don't feel like they have to prove themselves. And there's like an aura to that. It's, there's a presence of like, you know, um, total stillness and confidence where these over the top alpha guys are a bit chaotic because their egos are so out of control. You know what I mean? Because, you know, um, their hearts are hard and they're insecure and they're making up for it with this sort of appearance and this bravado. So, um, I know that's not really maybe like a specific answer to your question, but definitely in the way that they carry themselves, they're sort of like cocksuredness, but you could tell it's, it's mm -hmm. thinly veiled. And especially when they start talking about women and, you know, dating multiple women at once and, you know, referring to them as, you know, derogatory, you know, terms, you know, whereas before I thought this was just total normal, like locker room talk, but you know, the problem with modern society is that that stuff is normalized, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I haven't met a guy that like loves his wife and that like takes care of his household that, you know, talks like bitches that whores that sluts this like I just ne have never heard it. And so that's like a dead giveaway right there in and of itself. You can definitely tell when these types of guys talk about women. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, well, let's, let's take a little bit uh, deeper dive into, into the, the red pill philosophy. And, and I want to get your, your take on it and what it's been, you know, what your exposure to the, uh, to the movement has been, you know, I, I, I kind of use the term red pill MGTOW. I kind of use that inter interchangeably. Um, and, you know, for, for the audience, um, you know, I, I don't think I've explained it in a while, but the, the, uh, acronym, uh, for MGTOW is MGTOW men going their own way. They've kind of given up on, uh, on on dating and and uh, they're trying to just pursue pursue themselves um you know uh, so what's been your experience what's your your kind of your takeaway from uh from that um do you see any any good in it do you see you know what do you see that's good about it what do you see that's uh that's um uh divisive or destructive about it Okay. So I, I discovered this back in like 2013, 2014, you know, I just lost, you know, finishing losing like 120 pounds. I had this like huge weight loss transformation. So I was like, okay, now women are starting to notice me, you know, let's, I don't know how to talk to them. I was going through like, you know, relationship to relationship, ending up sort of always being sort of like the quote, I hate using this language, but just to illustrate it to, to the listeners, it's like, I always ended up sort of starting as like the quote unquote archetypal alpha. And then by the end of the relationship, I was sort of like the beta. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I discovered this, I ate it right up. So what I think is positive about it, because I don't think it's all bad. I think at the, at the core of it, if you can kind of filter through the sort of misogynistic nonsense about spinning plates and like, you know, uh, hypergamy and all that stuff uh the learning about the sexual dynamics between men and women and sort of like lifting the veil from men's eyes about this like disneyland blue pill version of love i think that's this most i think that's where the red pill is the most powerful is that showing guys hey listen like if you're the nice guy and you always you know you're there for her all the time and you know you text her back right away and all this stuff like that's lesser attractive qualities that come from a man like desperation making his woman his whole world and whole purpose and and that's sort of what we're taught 
growing up is is this sort of Disneyland fictional fictitious version of love. And so that's where I think the red pill dynamic is or the red pill sort of uh, ideology is positive is that, hey, it's nothing like this at all. But where I find it's, it's a hard stop is when they start talking about, um, you know, all women being the same and, you know, hypergamous nature. And listen, like, no different than a man sort of, whether it's conscious or subconscious, when he sees a woman, he sees a woman with slim waist and wide hips, he immediately is attracted to it. But that's because of a biological sort of reflex, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this whole idea that women have this dualistic uh, mating um, strategy and sexual strategy of, okay, they want to sort of procreate with the more archetypal alpha, but they want to settle down with the beta. I just think that's an oversimplification. And I think where it becomes dangerous is when guys who are insecure take all of the good stuff, but swallow up all the bad stuff too. And so that's what happened with me is that, you know, the veil was lifted from my eyes. I'm like, okay, wow. Okay. So being the nice guy all the time, isn't the way to get girls. Just being yourself all the time. Isn't the way to get girls. Like, you know, always being available and making them my whole life. That's not the way to do it. Okay. Awesome. Um, Working on myself, you know, you know, creating, building a business, working on myself in the gym, becoming, you know, more muscular, stronger. Those are all positive things, I think, because Mm -hmm. it, you know, it provides a great benefit to a man, you know, physically and mentally knowing these things and then becoming physically strong and capable too. But the issue is when you get, again, like you get insecure guys learning about, okay, all women are like that. Okay. I can't marry. I shouldn't ever marry. I got to spin plates. And for those of you that don't know what spin plates means, it means just date multiple women at once and sort of discard them after like three, four months, once they've sort of like become attached to you and Mm -hmm. all this stuff that like, she's going to cheat on you with like the, the Chad, you know, they're always trying to date up. And I really think that comes from a, just a bunch of average frustrated chumps that have congregated together and they've taken something that's good and they've made it something horrible. And it's no different than, you know, guys like to bring up Andrew Tate all the time. Right. I don't think right. Andrew Tate is, is like necessarily a bad guy. Do I buy into everything that he says? Absolutely not. It he's a brilliant marketer and businessman and he's playing to that sort of alpha archetype that these like 21 year old guys love. Mm-hmm. But then when you really hear and you listen, like the core of his message, you're like, Oh, okay. I can agree with all of this stuff. It's just that the, 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 the means of communication of this message is so flawed. And this is where I think the red pill and guys like Andrew Tate missed the mark is that yes. Okay. You're helping insecure guys, but you're also turning them into, into tyrants. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because yeah, my relationships after I discovered the red pill, um, it took a, a, a turn for the worst. I thought it was for the, the better at the beginning because, okay, so I lost this weight. More women were interested in me. But then I just essentially just cre- or, or, um, treated them like they were just objects. Couldn't trust them. And it got to the point where not only was I doing damage to myself, I was actually causing psychological harm to these women as well. Mm. Yeah. 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 And that's that's where I had... I'd been exposed to uh, some of this red pill stuff. Uh, it was 2016, 2017, uh, pretty, pretty similar, um, similar situation that uh, what you were describing. Uh, I was, I hadn't quite finished my weight loss journey. I was on my way to losing a lot of weight. Um, one of my earlier episodes, I had my dietitian on and we talked about it, but I was, um, you know, to, to, I hadn't told the story on the podcast in a while, but in September of 2018, I weighed 305 pounds. Wow. And yeah. I, um, I'll, I'll send you my before and after pictures. Please uh, do on man. Instagram. Yeah. It, it's, it's a really, really great story. Um, and in, uh, 2021, uh, in January, uh, I, I weighed in at 195, and that's the lowest I had been in, in a long time. Dude, um, that's amazing. Yeah, Congratulations. Sincerely, as a guy that's kind of been there and done that, that is, I know how hard it is. Amazing, dude. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And so I was going through that. I hadn't quite finished that that weight loss journey, but I noticed that I was feeling a little more confident. I was getting a little more more compliments around the office, you know, and, and uh, I was using that. And I was trying to uh, improve my financial situation as well. And, and, um, I started seeing some of this red pill content and I had been, I, I had been, been hurt in the past, uh, from previous relationships. And so it was, um, a lot of what they were saying was, you know, Hey, I'm on this, I'm on this positive path for, for losing weight and becoming a better version of myself and improving my, my finances and improving my household. But also it was reinforcing the, um, 
the negative of, of those past relationships. And I think as humans, that's what we kind of gravitate to. We gravitate towards things that, that reinforce, uh, what, what we're feeling at the time. And, um, so my, my exposure to it, I, I actually in 2020 start, uh, created this podcast because I knew as a man of faith, you know, God, God calls me to, he calls me to have uh, a secure household because the word says, you know, those who take care of, who don't take care of their household are, are worse than a non-believer. And so he, you know, he, he calls us to, to, to be, uh, be for good versions of ourselves, better versions of ourselves, but he doesn't call me as a man of faith to, to spin plates and to, uh, and to treat women like, like objects. He, he, he calls me to, you know, to, to treat them like they're my, my sisters in Christ. And so this was, and it's still having, I, I, in a lot of ways, I'm still kind of detoxing from that that red pill exposure that I, that I had, and so I, I think that's one of the reasons that God makes me, you know, wants me to to do this podcast and to have this platform is just because, like, you know, uh, just to 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 be a voice and and I, I think there's just there's somewhere in in the middle that these that, that we can meet and the red pill guys can can meet as far as like you know being you know like I said taking care of ourselves and becoming better versions of ourselves, but at the same time treating, you know, and I actually had uh, uh, a female uh, on the podcast a few weeks ago or about a month or so ago. And it was, it's a funny thing to say out loud, but you know, for, it makes sense to guys like us who are kind of coming out of that and, and hadn't had a great relation relationship or, or history with women. It's like women are people too, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just, um, it's just amazing. And, and, and nobody who's mentally healthy, uh, wants to be put on a pedestal and that goes for men or women, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, that's one of the things that a lot of times that, that nice guy or the, the beta guys will do is they'll just, they'll, they'll pedestalize and, and actually it's a form of idolatry. It's, it can, it can morph into it. a sin. And, you know, I, I've, I've nailed it. Cause I've, you know, I've, I've done it like, hi, you know, I'm, I'm John, I've, I, I've idolized women in, in my life before. So it's, uh, um, but, um, I, I want to, um, ask you yeah, kind of, how, how do you see the overall status and, and state of, uh, masculinity in the West right now? Uh, well, I think, you know, um, you see all this content on social media about like, you know, hard times create strong men and strong men create, you know, good times. And, you know, that whole paradigm, I think we're in the hard times create strong men, um, part of that, or at least we're transitioning into that. So I see, I see the state of masculinity in the world. It's still in dire straits. I still think there's got to be like, I, the, the, the old is being renewed. Uh, and so I think traditional masculinity, Christian masculinity, the, the right, I think it was Ryan that said the father's fear is coming and it's absolutely true. So although I do, I do still see it, you know, in dire straits, I just think it's the last sort of cry of this sort of this beast that we've created through um, you know, mainstream media, social media, and all this stuff this like red pill archetypal men masculinity is being deconstructed. So in on one hand, I think, you know, manhood is in dire straits because we're so far removed from our origins. But I also think there's this like crazy, amazing resurgence of real masculinity. Like, mm -hmm. dude, you know, I started this page a couple months ago because, you know, I remember talking to one of my Christian brothers, Spiro, uh, a few months ago, and he was saying, he goes, dude, he goes, Christianity's become bubblegum. And I'm like, yeah, dude. And he was yeah. referring to, you know, you were saying that too. When you go to church, you're like, man, I wouldn't want any of these guys, you know, running into a burning building. They wouldn't be uh, able to do it because they're sort of effeminate. And so the impetus for the page for me was like, okay, well, I think I'm a masculine guy. I'm a, I'm a servant of Christ. I'm going to use this platform to be that sort of version of the change that I want to see. And so the absolute crazy, you know, response is showing that the world and men and women out there are thirsting for this as well. So although I do think manhood is sort of like at an all time low, there's this, this, this wave of real men coming back. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm grateful to God, man, for, yeah. for it because he's awakening, awakening people. You know, I was just on Kurt Storing's podcast last Wednesday and he became a Christian in May of, uh, I think May of this year, like, man, that's mm -hmm. incredible. You know, I think it was yeah. May of this year or last year, but regardless, like that's incredible. More and more of these, these men are coming to Christ and realizing the truth. And so, although it's in dire straits right now, it won't be for very long because, you know, the God-fearing men, the strong masculine God-fearing men are coming back and we're bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. 
Amen. Yeah. And that's, yeah. yeah, Guys like, you know, guys like you and guys like, like Ryan and, and, uh, you know, and even, you know, Will, Will Spencer and and guys, you know, guys like that, that are, that are bringing this back into the, into the mainstream and um, masculine revival and that, you know, I've mentioned, mentioned them on the, or him on the, uh, on the show a couple of times is just that. Brandon's great too. I talk, I've been talking to him a lot recently. The guy's just awesome. His page is just like, He's the juggernaut in this space too, right? Yeah. And another yeah. guy too, I, I'm not sure. I don't think you've had him on his podcast, but might be a really good idea to do so because this man is just like, the only two words that come to, to come to mind are the gospel gorilla, Jonathan West. I think it's hmm. better husband pod or okay. I think it's like that, but he is just, man, some of his stuff about scripture too and, and manhood and, and, and being a family man is just like, whoa, it's like a, a sledgehammer to the face. Yeah. But, so anyways, but yes, okay. all those guys are incredible and it's amazing that, you know, there's this group of strong Christian men um, that are so welcoming of people to the space too, right? Like, I'm sure you've experienced it with these guys being on your podcast. Mm -hmm. I surely have experienced it in the last, like, you know, I've only started my page in October, but then, you know, I did a post a couple of weeks ago that kind of went crazy and still my, my, my page is still tiny compared, but the engagement and the DMs and sort of like the brotherhood that I've been brought into it just goes to show you that all these men's lives are truly guided by Christ. And it's just, there's nothing more amazing to see, man. Honestly, yeah. as a guy that grew up without, without a dad or without a good dad, at least it's just amazing to see so many guys coming together where their, their mess is their message and they're, they're, they're throwing it out there because a lot of men and women really, really need to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's just, it is amazing just how, how hungry and thirsty people are for it. And and I was, you know, I, I can remember, Gosh, for first time I ever read Wild at Heart by John Elders, and I've been honored to have John and, and some members of of his his group on on the show. Amazing, yeah, and uh, they were just so gracious to uh, to be on there or to to be on here. The first time I ever had had read his uh, his book Wild at Heart was in two thousand four. So I mean, there there's people have been been hungering for this, and I think he originally wrote it and published it in two thousand. So it was yeah. just people have been been hungering for this you know for for upwards of of 20 years now and and it's just um it it is really great excuse me and really refreshing just to see all the all these creators on on these plot on, on our platforms uh here today just pushing that that message forward and uh um just you know helping create some of these these stronger men that uh, that we were t- we were talking about in fact i um brendan actually recommended a, a book that was uh, that's what it was called it was called uh, hard times create strong men um i can't remember the, the the author's name off the top of my head but uh i have that book yeah it's a good one it's really okay. good yeah i've been i've been yeah. going through the uh, the audio version of of that book uh here and there as as i work my work my side hustle but um um, well, we've got a few minutes before the break. Uh, one, one thing I do want to ask you, I, I know you said you, you grew up without a father, but, uh, um, as you've matured in your life, um, who, who are some of the, uh, uh, male figures that, uh, that you've kind of looked up that you kind of look up to now, or that you have, uh, have looked to for guidance, uh, as, as you've grown and as you've, uh, matured in your faith. Oh man, I mean, it, it starts with my uh, with my grandfather. You know, I'm Italian, so it's no no that I refer to uh, refer to him as. Um, that to me is like that's my. I'm going to try not to get emotional talking about him. He's, he's still kicking, but you know, when somebody has such a powerful influence on your life, and you know, you finally come to a point where you know you're walking in your own manhood, and now you're able to look back and be like, man, thank you so much for your sacrifice. But you know, um, you know my grandfather first and foremost, because you know, I saw him every single day for thirty. Well, 30 years, not every single day for 30 years, but for the time I've been alive in his life, mm-hmm. I've seen him every day going to work, you know, without complaining, never, you know, uh, never missing a day. And he would walk to work and he would work, he worked at a tannery and it was just the most like filthy working conditions, man. Like just awfully, you know, moved to Canada in the sixties without any money in his pocket and came here because, you know, um, you know, uh, my grandmother wanted to move here and his mother wanted to move here. So he's like, okay, well, I'm just going to pick up and move. And, you know, seeing him do that and, he would come home and I couldn't be within like six feet of him. He would just smell so putrid from that work and would mm. come home with injuries all the time, but never complained. But his thing was, I provide, you know, I protect, this is my job. And I, you know, and he took care of, you know, me, you know, my mother who was a single mom, you know, living with him, his mother, which, you know, she needed aid in those last few years. And so when I saw what real, you know, sacrifice and putting your household first, that, that was my first primary example. And, you know, I, I owe everything to him and my mom, but we're talking about male figures. I owe everything to him. And mm-hmm. so 
as far as like other men, you know, I try to take influence from, you know, from, you know, men that I look, look up to my best friend, Paul Lazenby, who's in Vancouver, who helps hold down my, the, the fort for, for my gym. He's, you know, he's an incredible guy. Um, he's been through, you know, tons of hardships and I've learned a tremendous amount off of him. And, you know, all the guys that were like, kind of, it's funny, like inadvertently I've run men's groups for years because in my gym, mm-hmm. you know, I started my business out of sort of like this position of being broken and like not having any male uh, figures around me. And so I wanted to create this, this scenario where, you know, maybe I could be a guy that other guys wanted to look up to and we can kind of create this, this, this situation where we all come together and talk about life. So I was actually just talking to Brendan today about this. And he was like, man, have you been in men's groups before? And I said, well, yes and no. I did it, I guess, somewhat informally for years. And it would, you know, guys would come together. We talk about what we're struggling with. Sometimes we would cry. Sometimes we'd be angry sometimes, you know, so I take influence from so many guys, but you know, short story long, especially in recent, recent times, you know, it's, it's people like, you know, people in this space, really, like, if, if I were to say, you know, one of the most influential people and somebody that just I aspire to be just as a father and a man is definitely Ryan, uh, you know, because, yeah. you know, not that these other guys don't have takeaways, of course, like I take something away from all of these guys, but this dude being, you know, a little bit older, his kids are a bit older, you mm-hmm. know, we can all kind of see ourselves, you know, at least trying to aspire to that level of sort of, I guess, actualization and just being calm. And obviously, like I said, all these other guys are actualized in their manhood as well. It's yeah. just him just being a little bit older and more mature and being married for so long and having teenage boys is something that, you know, the way that he carries himself is, is seriously um, inspiring and aspirational uh, for me. And so and all these other guys in the space, you know, Kurt, you know, Brendan, uh, Jonathan West, you know, you mentioned John Eldridge, mm-hmm. um, you know, what you're doing, I think is awesome. So you know, other than my grandfather and those key guys, I'm trying to take influence from, you know, all these, even the males that I train, but those I would say are probably the main ones that I'm sort of looking to right now, especially now kind of be coming into the space. Yeah. So I hope that answers yeah. your question. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, well, welcome, uh, welcome to the space from one, uh, one Thank small, you. one from one small fish to, uh, to another small fish for at least for, <laughs> yeah, at least right. for the time being, you know, I, I think you're, you're definitely going to explode here uh, pretty quickly. I know, uh, uh, I, I, a lot of, a lot of the guys that we, we had just been, been mentioning here, they've shared your content. And, and, uh, so I'm, I'm really, uh, really excited for you just to see how things are going to uh, shape you, up man. for you here going forward. Um, but, um, we're going to take a quick break here, uh, and, uh, we'll coming back on the other side. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, about being a husband, being a father and, and, uh, talk a little bit more about that and even, uh, your own platform and uh, a little bit more. So, uh, stick with us. This is the discovering masculinity podcast. And I will be right back. Guys, I want to tell you about a very special company that I am honored to be a brand ambassador for, and that is 3nailsclothing.com. Now, 3nails clothing, uh, it is premium active wear created for athletes who represent the kingdom of God in a modern minimalist fashion that comes straight from their website. Now, A portion of profits from every sale go to Agape International Missions, which helps uh, victims of human trafficking. So really great cause, really great company, and really great activewear. If you know anything about me, I love to to work out. I love to, uh, to be active, especially go out on the golf course. And this company has some great active wear for, uh, for you or your loved one who works out shorts, joggers, hoodies. Uh, I personally have their, uh, their zip, uh, hoodie and, uh, it's very warm, very durable, very flexible, uh, really great item of active wear that I've picked up. I've worn that here uh, a lot over the last few days as we've had a recent cold snap in Nashville, but, uh, socks, hats, uh, bracelets, men and women's uh, attire uh, for active wear. Again, go to 3nailsclothing.com and how you can help me and help benefit this show uh, as part of the Brand Ambassador Program, you can use my promo code DISCOVERING at checkout. That's D-I-S-C-O-V-E-R-I-N-G. Promo code DISCOVERING at checkout for 10% off your order. Again, go to 3nailsclothing.com. That's all spelled out, T-H-R-E-E-N-A-I-L-S, clothing.com for uh, your active wear order from 3Nails Clothing. Use promo code DISCOVERING at checkout for 10% off your order. Again, great place, 
uh, to, to get active where, again, these guys have a, a real purpose behind uh, what they're doing and what they're selling. This would be a great way to uh, kickstart your New Year's resolution or even get uh, some active wear together for the loved one in your life who, uh, who is active, loves to exercise and work out. That's 3nailsclothing.com, promo code DISCOVERING for uh, 10% off your order. 3 Nails Clothing, active wear built for purpose. Welcome back. This is the Discovering Masculinity Podcast. I am your host, John Waltz, coming to you today from uh, beautiful Franklin, Tennessee, just south of the Music City, and joining me from uh, the the Great White North. Can I call it the Great White North? Uh, Yes, you can. It's definitely white outside. (laughs) Is it? Okay. Okay. All right. Great White North in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, uh, Mr. Mike Pantile. Uh, Mike, uh, again, really great to have you on the program. Uh, Really great talking to you. Um, And I want to talk to you a little bit about some of your own uh, experiences here in this uh, this second half. Um, I know you are your husband and a father. So first first thing I I do want to ask is um, what's been some of your favorite favorite things about being uh, being a husband and a father and what are some of the more challenging things that uh, um, about being a husband and a father that you've experienced uh the number one the best the, the greatest most you know powerful thing about this whole thing is is uh just a definite purpose that's what i love about it, is that you know um you mind you i was never the type that struggled to get out of bed in the morning but especially now like you know when i wake up and it's dark and it's cold and it's early and um i'm not like ever thinking I'm going to go back to bed and hit the snooze button. I just don't hit the snooze button ever. <laughs> and there's no greater reason than my baby girl sleeping in the other room and my wife next to me. And so um, I recently read a passage in in Job. I was reading Job and kind of going through all the wisdom, you know, books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And Job would, would get up early and, and go and pray on his family's behalf, just in case, just in case in the off chance that they they curse the name of God in their sleep. And I'm like, man, talk about a man that's in servitude of his household and just the most powerful spiritual way. So um, the the purpose, number one, the most challenging part is, you know, nothing of the day to day or the financial stuff that just kind of comes with the territory. Um, I think it's just sorting myself out as a man so I can serve them is the most challenging part, you know, because we have this, you know, not this idea, that's what we are is, and, and these, this idea does not come from me. I think I listened to a, another podcast with Jonathan West and Kurt, and he, they said that, you know, protecting, providing and presiding is just the cost to entry. That's just like, gets your foot in the door. So like for so long, I was like, yeah, man. Okay. So I bought my, you know, when we were living in BC, you know, I, I bought her a townhouse. I did my thing. I'm paying the bills. We're saving money. I'm saving for the future. Yeah. Boom. I got her done. I, I married her. You know, as soon as she got pregnant, I did my thing. It's like, well, dude, you were supposed to do those things anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, why are we giving men a pat on the back for stuff that they're supposed to do already? It's the extra stuff. You know, it's like, you know, the post that kind of went crazy that started this whole thing that Ryan initially shared was a video of me, you know, talking to guys about not giving their wife the scraps at the end of the day. And so when they're done at work, whether they're working from home or where they're working outside the home, when they come back, they flip that switch in their head. They're like, my wife has not seen me all day. She hasn't, you know, talked to me all day and she's probably looking forward to talking to me. So I got to go in there, forget of all the crap that I just went through, all the crap in my head, how tired I am. And I got to be just be present and be there with her and show her how much I love her. And, and the same thing for, for, for my daughter. It's like, nobody wants to come home and have their family scatter because they're scared, mm, you know, yeah. because you're the tyrant and you, you know, you didn't come home and you didn't like, you know, lay your weapon down at the door. You still have it. So I would say that's definitely the most the, cha- the most challenging part is compartmentalizing all the stuff that I have to deal with day to day as a man, as a business owner, as all this stuff, doing everything and still being um, the man that's attentive and present and, and gracious and um, I guess tender and soft with my family when I have to be. Yeah, for sure. That's by far the biggest challenge. But, the you know, the more that I step into my faith, my faith and as, as like a servant of Christ, it does become easier. But, man, you know. Um, it's not without its hard days, as I'm sure you know, too, you know, the, the, this faith walk is not a cakewalk. That's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and that's, I'm really, really glad that, uh, um, you answered that question that way. Cause I just, I, you know, I, I, I make no, no secret that I've, um, I'm not married. So I, I, I don't have that. That'll be useful for me going forward. Just being mm. like, Hey, you know, sorting that type of, of thing out about, you know, about me. And, and, um, so I, I do want to, I do want to kind of springboard off of that a little bit. You did mention, you know, uh, growing in, in your faith and, and, um, I, another, another thing that I kind of, that I kind of borrowed from, from John Eldridge and, and, uh, one of his books is that, uh, you know, when you step into your faith and you really start to live it out, sometimes that can often, um, trigger some adversity and, and trigger some, you know, some hard, hard things that you've got to reach down and, and deal with as a, as a servant of, of Christ. And it's, you know, just as much as, um, you know, just as much as there, as there's, a, you know, God and, 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 and a Holy Trinity, there's also unholy things that we deal with in the capacity of, of spiritual warfare. And, and, uh, it's interesting that, uh, sometimes people feel like once they start wor- living out their faith and becoming a Christian, it's like, you know, things will get easier for them. And, and that's not, entirely that's not entirely the case because essentially what you've done by declaring your uh you know declaring jesus as your savior and, and moving into your faith is you're, you've kind of been moved up to the front lines there because you've yep. become that much more of a of a target for uh for the enemy and and i remember um um bart hansen another uh, man from the wild at heart team i had had him on it was it's was about two years ago now um but he he mentioned that um the phrase that he used was, uh, I was, you know, bringing the torch to the field, I guess, is the, uh, yeah. the best, the, the, what he said. And I remember I was kind of going through some, some difficult times, you know, in, in personally, and I realized, oh, well, no wonder I'm being shot at. I'm bringing the torch to the field. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's a very real thing. And, and that came into mind when you were, uh, when you were talking about, uh, talking about that and, and just being, I think what we don't talk about enough of in, in, especially in the Christian circles is being an intercessor for, for our brothers and being an intercessor for, for our family and, and, and our loved ones. And, um, that's something that I need to take a little bit more into, into my own prayer life. But, um, um, I want to ask you a little bit about your journey as, um, uh, as a business owner. And, uh, so I know you've got in your, in your bio on Instagram, you're a fitness professional gym owner. And you, we've talked about it a couple of times that you've got, you've got a, a gym in, uh, uh, it's in Vancouver, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In, in BC. And, uh, um, so I'll talk a little bit about how you, how you got into, uh, into that, into, uh, and becoming a gym owner and a business owner and, and, you know, the, some of the same similar type of question, um, you know, what's, what's the uh, thing you enjoy most about being that business owner and, and working in the fitness industry and what are some of the, uh, you know, the drawbacks of it or some of the things that, uh, um, that you might struggle with on a, on a day-to-day or even just on a, on a macro level, maybe not necessarily on a day-to-day level. Yeah. So my whole life, I've always been really driven by, you know, my own passion, you know, and I've never been somebody that's been, you know, (laughs) I dropped out of school in grade 10, I graduated through an alternative program, but I was never the the person that, you know, went (laughs) down the traditional path, right? I was a second year apprentice mechanic working for Ford and uh, I was training in the gym and I was depressed and suicidal and anxious, and which is a common thread throughout my whole life, pretty much up until I guess the last few years. And so I remember a conversation with my mom and I said, listen, I'm, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm just depressed going to work. I'm a young 20 something year old, right? You know, I'm turning 30 in January. So she's like, how about you just go apply at that gym that you were you know, working out at and see what happens. So I got hired on the spot and sort of that was the first step into that direction. I was still overweight at that point. And so uh, throughout, it took me about a year and a half to lose 120 pounds. I went from mm. 305, wow. 306. I was already competing in powerlifting to like 185, 190 pounds. And I remember August, 2015, doing like a photo shoot to kind of like mark the end of that weight loss process. Mm. That was, that was the the catalyst for all the change that happened in my life. Right. Um, mm-hmm. the gym is what pulled me out of, I was an atheist before, actually, not even just an atheist. I was an anti-theist kind of along the lines of like a Christopher Hitchens type. And I listened to, I read all those books and, and, you know, eventually, you know, the gym in a roundabout way brought me back to the faith, but maybe that's a story for a different day. Long story short, you know, when I was in this gym that I was working at, I trained and coached so many people for free, just out of the goodness of my heart, just because I loved it. It just, you know, lit me on fire. Yeah. And so as we know, God presents teachers when you're ready as the student, right? So Mm -hmm. 
I met my, you know, best friend at the time. We don't talk anymore. And, you know, a girlfriend at the time, you know, it's not my wife. And so the owner of this gym kind of took me under his wing. And so after a couple of years, my best friend and my girlfriend at the time, I had gotten fired from the gym because my group got so big, you know, that we were disrupting business. And now looking back, I totally understand as a business owner, you know, why that occurred. And so uh, my girlfriend at the time, her father uh, owned a big real estate business in Vancouver. And he had an office space, which the sort of the basement area was vacant. So my best friend at the time and and my girlfriend were like, why don't we just buy some equipment? And I'm like, whoa, seriously? But it just goes to show you, you reap what you sow, right? You put out goodness with no expectation of receiving it and you yeah. receive it in spades, right? That's how it goes. So yeah. long story short, I maxed out credit cards. They paid a bunch of money and we put some equipment into a basement. And they're just like, man, just put an ad up and, and just see what happens. And so I did. And you know, this was 2016. And, and since then life has changed, right? Like this, this is off the back of my weight loss transformation, as well as I've set some records in powerlifting that helped me with some credibility as well. Hmm, yeah. And from there, I went from, you know, always struggling with finances to, you know, within my second year, I was making six figures as a personal trainer that was self-employed. And I was like 23 or 24 at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was at that location. And then, you know, me and the girlfriend inevitably, inevitably broke up. So we were given six months. And again, by the grace of God, the last month before we were going to get kicked out, my grandmother finds a commercial space a kilometer away from where I literally grew up in my neighborhood. And oh, so wow. she, okay. yeah, she was a business yeah. owner. She did the, the hair of the person that ran that building. And so without a second interview, like literally a week before we were going to get kicked out, she was like, yep. Okay. Sign the lease. And so that's where my gym is still now. It's a private personal training studio. So it's like 1200 square feet. Mm-hmm. And so at the time I had like a trainer, I had a, my partner and we were, <laughs> we were just doing pretty damn good. And then side note, don't do business with your friends unless you really, really trust that friend. And so <laughs> it came to a head, spare you the details, but you know, I bought him out. I got rid of the trainer. I just wanted to handle the, the, the environment on my own. And so what I loved about that was a, you know, I'm not really good at, unless like you're my boss or authority figure and I really respect you. And there's some people that I really rem- remember throughout my life and employment that I really looked up to. I'll go to bat. I'll die for you. But I, I don't do good with people telling me what to do just because you have a title. So right. I, I figured I was like, I'm either going to end up in prison because of like, I'm going to be, I don't know, a drug dealer or something. I'm, I never did that. And, you know, when presented with that, I'm way too much of like a paranoid, anxious dude to do that. But still, yeah. my point remains, I was either going to end up, you know, a criminal or self-employed. So I'm obviously I'm glad I went this direction. So my favorite part about that and doing this is that you're seriously making a difference in people's lives because people struggle so much with food. I struggled so much with food. My family's all overweight. I thought I'd never be this fit guy that had, you know, six pack year round. And I know the physique doesn't make the man, but it just, it, to illustrate my point, I always thought I was going to be at the mercy of my genetics. So teaching other people that they're not and empowering them with the tools to do so through physical strength and through sound nutrition practice has been, you know, some of the most fulfilling work I've ever done. Now, the most challenging part, the more challenging parts of it was not necessarily pertaining to the, like the personality management of people. I really love people. Um, and I, you know, it was, it was more so my relationship with money. Mm-hmm. I had a really broken relationship with money. I, you know, growing up, you know, I, we never lacked, you know, we were like middle-class family, but I remember my grandfather, because I guess his, his background being sort of impoverished in Italy, it was always like, you know, always this worry about money. So I was raised with sort of this, this like poverty mindset. That no matter like what, how much money I made or how much I had, it was just it was just this bottomless pit. It was never enough. I had a hard time spending it. So honestly, I don't have a problem dealing with like the 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 logistical day to day of business ownership and stuff like that. I that's no it's no issue. It's the relationship with money part and managing that. That's the been the most difficult part for sure. Okay. Yeah. Short yeah. story long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh it's uh interesting that you, uh, that you you uh, you bring that up. I. There's a lot of uh, parallels between the way people deal with food and the way people their relationship with food and their relationship with money and and it's just because it's it's similar, um, you know. I, I uh, Dave Ramsey guy I look up to. He, he yeah. based here in, in Nashville. Actually, his his uh, building is just about. It's about three miles from from my apartment. Um, oh no way! I yeah. love Dave Ramsey. He's great. Yeah. 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 And actually one of my best friends, first guest ever on this podcast actually, um, uh, has, uh, has worked for him for about 15 years. Um, Oh, no kidding. That's amazing, dude. I'll have to go back and check that one out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very first one. So, you know, it's, you can, you can, uh, tell how how, you tell how much better I am now, I guess. (laughs) It's a journey, uh, dude. It really is, man. Yeah. 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 And you know, the, the, um, so, so what he always says is like, 
what he's seen with people who are who are getting out of debt and and, and straighten up their finances is that they they lose a lot of weight too and and kind of physically go underneath go through a transformation because it's a very similar um dichotomy or very similar relationships that we have with because food and money are both amoral they don't have any it doesn't have any moral until we decide until we assign moral to it or, or assign any type of purpose to it i mean you know i i now that I'm a little bit healthier, I can cheat every now and then. So I, I you know, kind of yeah. gravitate towards some of the food that I used to eat when I got really, really heavy. But uh, um, and I totally, totally understand about the poverty mindset rather than the than the abundance mindset. That's something that I'm working on personally to uh, to kind of get out of a little bit, just because I'm I'm in sales. And if you have a scarcity mindset in sales, it's you know, it, it, it's hard to um, it's hard to have a, you know, a, a fulfilling, uh, or, or have a, be successful. If you always have that, you know, that like, you know, I've got to make this sale rather than like, oh, there's other opportunities out there in case that doesn't yeah, come sure. through. Um, and, but, uh, um, one, one thing I, I do want to ask, um, yeah, you, you've started this, this Instagram page. That's, that's kind of how I found you. One of the, you know, a few of the guys that we mutually follow have, uh, have shared some of your content. Um, just want to ask you about your, your inspiration behind, um, starting your, your platform and your Instagram page and just, uh, a little bit about the, uh, the journey of that. What was that like? And, and what was the kind of the aha moment that you had for, uh, for, for starting that? You know, it was, it came out of this, as much as I love fitness, like, you know, I've done it, I feel like I've done it now for, you know, close to 10 years. And, you know, that's not like a long time in in the grand scheme of life. But I, I felt like as fulfilling as it is, what I always felt really fulfilled by was helping other men and, you know, in my gym and, and guys tell me, you know, telling me, hey, you changed my life and you should be doing this on a greater, you know, a bigger stage, a bigger platform, all this stuff. And I've always struggled with this like self-esteem, like who's going to listen to me? Like, I feel like an imposter, right? Like there's, mm, that's yep. very common. And yep. so I just remember one Same. day, yeah, raising my yeah hand dude, here. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. and I think that speaks to our heart because I don't think anybody that's like arrogant and has like bad intentions uh, ever thinks that. <laughs> I don't mm. think that they think that they're imposters. I usually think that that comes from maybe some insecurity, but ultimately like a goodness of heart and wanting to, you know, you have good intentions, right? So I'm all about imperfect action, jumping off the cliff and just figuring out stuff as I go along. So I'll never forget. And I was I, I was pondering upon this page, pondering, pondering. And then I listened to a, a podcast with Bedros Koulian, which I, probably everybody's familiar with this guy in this space too, because now he went from like, you know, being fit body bootcamp, CEO, owner, founder, all that stuff to now doing this stuff with the project. And, you know, essentially I remember him saying, I just want to help other men, you know, or I want to see less men kill themselves. So I was like, boom, me too. Mm -hmm. Because I've been in, you know, a brief intervention unit, mental health, you know, ward. I've, you know, been at the bottom of the barrel. I want to see less guys struggle with this stuff too. Pornography, screwed up relationships, being overweight. And so that's really what the, what the impetus and inspiration was. I remember one day just looking at my wife and, and saying, take a picture. She's like, why? I'm like, just take a picture of me. I'm going to write my bio and just start this page. I'm just going to, it's going to be self-titled. Like, I don't have a cool name like all these other guys, you know. I'm just like, this is my name. Because, yeah. you know, my whole life people are like, hey, you know, you have this personality. Why don't you use your likeness for something? I'm like, okay, well, let's see how this goes. And so the, how it started was mainly just like videos of me kind of trying to get a reaction uh, from people with, with you know, the subtitles and, and talking about certain subject matter with really strong language. And so, mm -hmm. you know, little by little, you know, I started this page like the second week of October. So like literally it's been no time at yeah. all. First or second week, I can't remember. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, I was making these videos and the followership was growing. And, you know, what I was really surprised is that even under like 200 followers, I was getting all these like young men messaging me in my, my, my inbox saying, Hey, Mike, I struggle with porn. How do I stop? I struggle with this. How do I stop? I'm like, okay. So guys are obviously wanting to hear this. Mm -hmm. And then, so I made that one video and it's funny. It's how it's never the videos you feel like doing that go crazy. It's never the posts you feel like doing. it's always the ones that are like, man, I'm not sure if I want to post this. I'm kind of yeah. tired. I don't want to do this, you know? So I went down when I recorded that video, I was like, okay, I think this is strong subject matter, but I don't really feel like putting that out there. And so two days prior to that, I remember seeing the wisdom of Kings follow me on Instagram. And I was like, okay, that's a kind of like a powerful name. What is this guy? And yeah. I remember, remember being at the mall with my wife a few weeks ago. And I was like, man, look at this guy's page. I'm like, this is really interesting. And before I even talked to Ryan, I showed my wife, I said, man, this is kind of, this is exactly what I'm after right here. Mm -hmm. Like, this yeah. is really cool. And then, so I'm like, why would, the, why is this guy following me? And then, so two days later, I made that post about not leaving your wife the scraps. And then he mm -hmm. shares a couple of my videos and then boom, that started the wave. 
Yeah. Okay. So all these guys started following me, all the big guys in, in the space. We started having these conversations. And then just like you, I go to my first post to now and you can see the journey of like, what the heck am I doing? I'm trying to find my voice. And I'm still trying to find my voice, obviously, yeah. like like 40 something posts deep. I finally figured out how to do the graphics and the text and how everything, you know, kind of looks pretty like that's hard to do. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, st- I, I still do the uh, screenshots on the Apple notes for, for my, yeah, man, my dude, post. it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Right. And so like figuring out the apps and how to do this stuff was like, I'm not, you know, a technically smart guy when it comes to this stuff, um, like social media and graphics and stuff. So I was like, okay, how do I, you know, um, how do I live up to these other guys as well? Because now all of a sudden I was like, man, I got some pressure now. These guys are kind of watching. They kind of like I'm the small page. And so, but it's been cool because I, I think that kind of pressure is amazing and it really allows you to like rise to the occasion. And since since then, um, man, the content's done really well. And and actually, this is my question back to you. I want to kind of yeah. bounce this back to you is the response has been overwhelmingly. Like obviously, there's been tons and tons and tons of guys in my DMs, but man, there is a huge female voice out there talking about this stuff. And so my question to you is, mm-hmm. and this is something I'm pondering upon, why do you think women are so vocal about this? Almost almost more than men in terms of they share the content a lot more, they engage with it a lot more, but it also seems that they're also just way more passionate about this topic in general. Where do you think that comes from? You know, I think it kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier is that we are in, we're in some pretty, uh, you know, we, we've been in and out of hard times here over the, over the last, you know, 20 years, um, you know, between, you know, we, we've had recession, we had, you know, the great recession in 2008 here in the, you know, and then now we're kind of going through something very similar here with the, the worldwide economy and, and, and not, it's not just here in the States, but it's, but it's all over. And I think it's just the more, a couple of things kind of come to mind is that, the the crisis in masculinity has has just been has just been been growing exponentially over the last and, and even over the last five five to ten years i would i would say just in my mind um as you know sp- you know video games come to mind as video games get more realistic and and how different ways that men can just kind of unplug from from women and yeah. unplug from society and just go de- deep down into these rabbit holes and i've I've been guilty of it before too. I'm not, I'm not commenting on anything that I, that I haven't done. And, and um, so I, I would just say that, that women are just, they're really, really hungry and starving for, you know, for, for something for, for that true masculinity that, uh, that even, even that, uh, you know, not necessarily that Disney romance that we were talking about earlier, but just, you know, a, a man who's not, who's going to be present with them, and not go play call of duty for four hours or, or, or eight hours on end, or, or a man that's actually gonna, you know, fight to, to keep their, keep their relationship going or, or a man that's going to, you know, resist the the temptation to, you know, to look at, at pornography and, and cheapen what, what he has. And so, and so women are just, women are so hungry for it just because it's been, it's been getting, I think it, women are hungry for it and they're so much more vocal about it because a, it affects them. It affects them the most when, when they don't have a, a strong masculine influence, um, in, in their life or when they don't have that partner that they can, they can rely on. Um, it's, it's very, it, it damages them the most. And, um, uh, you know, looking back on, um, looking back on the creation story they're they're really just tired of, of the p- passivity that uh mm-hmm. that men men exhibit and you know the another, another one from uh from john eldridge one way he explained the creation story especially the the fall of humanity is that men are just as culpable in the fall of humanity as, as women are because the the translation says that you know she gave a when eve ate the forbidden fruit she gave a piece to her husband who was there with her and the translation of that phrase with her was means he was literally standing right next to her when this whole thing was going down and did <laughs> nothing um and so I think it's it's kind of a multitude of things. Women women are just they're they're tired of just they're tired of losing their men to to comfort. Uh, yeah, and they're they're tired of uh, you know they're they're they've they're starting to come around and see like oh maybe we we do need men you know maybe the maybe we've been been lied to. I I, I made a post on uh, on my Instagram page about modern feminism. It's not necessarily I don't think modern feminism is about equality. It's about power. 
And, you know, they're, they're starting to realize that like, you know, you know, these, this mindset that, that I can do everything a man can do is just, is, has been proven to be patently false uh, over the last, you know, the last 20 years. And, And now that's why they're, they're just hungry for this, this stuff and hungry for men to, to step into their, their true and God given and masculine roles. So, um, that was a, a bit of a long, a long answer. I think I kind of wound around a couple of different points there, but that's just kind of, no, you nailed it, man. Yeah. That, that's just what, what comes to mind. And, and again, all these things that I'm talking about that, that men have engaged in are, are things that, that I've done in, in, in my past. You know, I, I've, you know, I, I used to have a, very bad problem with pornography. I used to, you know, escape into, uh, into video games. I used to, you know, just seek, seek comfort rather than seeking growth. Uh, and that's, um, again, I think that's one of the reasons that, uh, that, that God wants me to do this and have this platform is, so, is just so I can get out of that and, and kind of, again, bring that torch to, to men and just be like, Hey, there's, there's a better way. There's a better way than just unplugging and, and, uh, and going, going your own way and just seeking, seeking comfort and spinning plates and, and being, being of the world. So, um, but, um, I, I want to, uh, transfer, uh, kind of flip back over, um, to, to this question here. It's, uh, one, another one that I ask a lot of, uh, a lot of guests is, um, you know, you, you talked about kind of the the state of uh, of mind and, and where you were at before you'd started your uh, your weight loss journey and how before you got into fitness and and um, I want to um, let's just say that you, you come across a young man that uh, that is in that that state of mind and it's kind of in that that place spiritually and mentally and they're just kind of ready to. Uh, you know, to give up on things, they're just kind of ready to, to unplug from the world and do what I was just mentioning, just kind of seek, you know, the worldly pleasures just as a way to medicate against, uh, against their life. Um, what, uh, what kind of advice would you say for, for a man who's kind of at that crossroads, uh, between, you know, stepping into who they, they truly should be or, or kind of who the, the, the world thinks they should be, or even just maybe even a guy that just wants to go red pill and just completely unplug from, from things and just go, go his own way. What kind of advice would you give a, a man like that? Well, I think, you know, men, when he's left without purpose, he numbs himself with pleasure. That's not the first time, you know, we've all heard that. So we have to first recognize that, um, you know, I, I fully believe that, you know, depression and anxiety exist for sure. I think, you know, um, I certainly had this propensity and, uh, you know, I guess uh, innate nature at birth to be a bit more anxious, but I do believe, you know, this sort of this pandemic of like mental health is a result of the things that we're consuming. And so my first piece of advice would be, well, how serious are they for change? Because if they really want change, they got to put to death their old life. And so for me, you know, I can only speak from my own example and I'm still learning. And that was the point of the page is that like, I don't want to come across as this guy that knows anything. This is my stumbling blocks, my own journey, my own path. And I'm learning as I post and as these posts also keep me accountable in a roundabout way. But what I would tell that guy was like, man, well, how serious are you? Because for this to change, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And I don't think the issue, I don't think the the solution is antidepressants, SSRI medication. It's actually been recently proven that it doesn't, Depression is not a chemical imbalance problem. That's a lie. For most guys, it's generally speaking a purpose problem. And so the first thing is I ask is, well, okay, so are you smoking cannabis? Are you smoking a nicotine vape? Are you watching pornography? Do you have Tinder? Uh, Are you working out? What time do you go to bed? Um, What's your eating habits like? It's like, you know, a guy can't just like throw his arms in the air and just simply say, I'm depressed. It's like, well, that's kind of cowardly. You can't just say that, you know, and I, and my heart goes out to people that say that because I understand what it's like to be sad and depressed and hard. You know, it, it, it's hard to get out of bed in the morning, all that stuff. But you have to realize that a lot of that, the, the reason that you feel that way is because of your own doing. And so my piece of advice was it would be put to death your old life, take up your cross, which means shed your old, old skin. I truly believe it. It means returning to the father as well. But even let's say to those listeners that might be secular, more secular think minded is that you have to give up those flesh desires first and foremost. They do not serve you. Uh, they drain your your masculine essence. And that's the a surefire, you know, one-way ticket to destruction of self. And any potential that you have is through the, you know, the excessive porn use, alcohol use, nicotine, cannabis use, 
um, excessive social media use, video games, all this stuff. You have to put it to death and you have to put it to death little by little. It can't happen all at once. It's a it's a, a, a process of uh, deconstruction and then reconstruction. So hope that also you know answers your question without yeah. getting too lost in the weeds. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, that's 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 good, good stuff. And even just reminders for for myself and for for the audience too. And I made a post the other day of uh, you know I, I, one thing that I like to do. Uh, almost monthly is I go through, I go through my Instagram, I go through my social media and I look at the people that I'm following and, and I be like, okay, am I following a lot of times? So, sometimes there, there's some women that I follow on my personal Instagram that, you know, I want to support them as content creators, but at the same time, I've got to do an evaluation of like, okay, am I following her because she's hot or am I following her because yeah. I genuinely want to support her? And sometimes, you know, Sometimes I've had, I've, I've had, you know, I've unfollowed just because I've been like, okay, yeah, this is the only reason that I'm following this person. There's not really any type of great enrichment to, uh, to my life. And, and so, yeah, social media is, um, is definitely, it, it can definitely become very, very toxic very, very quickly, especially in the realm of comparison. And that's something that, that we all do. And, and I used to think that it was that comparison afflicted, um, you know, women a little bit more so than men, but I, but as I go along, it's started, you know, I've, I've noticed areas where it's affected me and especially in some of, some of my buying habits too, and, and some of the, totally. the brands and stuff that, that I buy. Um, so I, kind of tease myself and, you know, um, I, I do it to myself a little bit more so than, so other guys don't do it to me, but I wear a lot of Under Armour for, that's like my brand of choice for like fitness apparel. And, you know, they've had a, t a certain type of image over the years. And so that's kind of why I gravitated towards them. And I just have started veering away from that here very recently. And, and actually, um, I'm a brand ambassador with a company called three nails clothing. Um, oh, and, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, so, um, link in the show notes, uh, for discount code, but, um, of course, uh, got to sneak it in. Come on, man. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Helps me help <laughs> the program. So, um, yeah, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, and it's really it's really good active wear too. I'm hoping to get the founder of that company on the show here uh, pretty pretty soon. But uh, um, Mike, before we go, um, where is the best place for people to find you? Well, it's my you know my name on Instagram. That's uh, Mike Pantile. I also have a page that's my my fitness page. Mind you, like I don't post super super often on that one anymore. This 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 content creation, this men's space is sort of now taking more of my creative energy, which I don't think is a bad thing. But definitely uh, Mike Pantile. That's you know I, have, I don't have my website up yet for that space, but that's where you can find me on Instagram. And so it's Mike P A N T I L E, and so um, it's Pantile, but it's spelt pantile so that's the easiest way to do it yeah yeah easiest way to find me okay awesome yeah and we'll have a, a link to mike's instagram in the uh in the show notes uh so you can just one one click away on that but uh mike we're gonna go ahead and wrap things up here today thank you so much for uh for taking the time really enjoyed the uh the conversation today uh best wishes to you and your family for the uh, upcoming holiday season and uh we um We'll love to uh, to get you on again soon. I'm, I'm actually toying with the idea of getting a couple of these uh, guys that we've uh, mentioned on the show, just kind of doing like a panel discussion here uh, at some point, maybe uh, end of the year or first part of next year. But uh, would love to, to have you as a part of that. But uh, he is Mike Pantile, uh, Mike Pantile on Instagram. Uh, this is the Discovering Masculinity Podcast. I am your host, John Walt, and we will talk to you all next time.